Uh, I want to introduce to you our panelists, and then I'm going to pray uh, before we jump in to uh, just uh, kind of picking these guys' brains here a little bit uh, this morning. Um, but, uh, I want to let you know who is here. A couple of these guys you've already seen or, or will see as uh, uh, you know speakers in the conference. Uh, delighted to have to my left Andy Johnson, Associate Pastor, Capitol Hill Baptist Church. Uh, he also oversees their missions program. You heard from Andy yesterday, and, and as I said, we're given a copy of, of his book. Andy, thank you for being a part of this. To his left, Dr. Chuck Lawless, uh, one of our colleagues here, also will be uh, speaking in the conference. Uh, he is our vice president for spiritual formations, which we are so excited about just having a, a top-level cabinet member that is just helping us think about uh, uh, prayer and spiritual uh, revival you know, on our campus and among our students. He also does uh, a lot with our International Mission Board in uh, educating, resourcing, equipping, teaching, training, overseeing a lot of our uh, missionaries overseas and so has been very, very involved in missions mobilization for a long time in addition to being uh, a pastor. And then to his left, Dr. Scott Hildreth, uh, brother uh, also on our faculty here teaches missions uh, and is the director of our Center for Great Commission Studies, so is always helping us uh, think about uh, you know, what is a huge emphasis for us here at Southeastern, and that is mobilizing you know, our students to take the gospel uh, to the nation. So, uh, brothers, welcome. Thank you for, for being a part of this. Thanks for having us. Let me pray for us. Uh, we're going to uh, pick their brains a little bit and then just know that before we finish here in a few minutes, we're going to give you an opportunity. If you have some questions that you would like to ask them, we'll, we'll have some time for that as well. Let's pray together. Father, we still our hearts before you this morning, uh, and we want to join our hearts together to tell you that we love you. We thank you for loving us. We thank you for the gospel. Uh, thank you for chasing us down uh, in Christ Jesus and saving us and adopting us into your family. And Lord, I know I speak for uh, brothers and sisters in this room this morning to also say thank you uh, for enabling us, counting us faithful, putting us into the ministry, trusting us with the leadership of your people, the shepherding of your people, the mobilizing of your people. We're blown away by that, God. We we're humbled uh, by that stewardship. We want to do it well. And so our desire this morning is with this, I know this whole conference is that you would give us grace for that, teach us how uh, to be more effective uh, in, in doing that. I thank you for these brothers that are uh, sitting up here today. I thank you for your grace in their lives uh, and how you have used them and continue to use them in helping us. Uh, Lord, to uh, be about the business that you've left us on the planet for. Let's pray you'd guide our conversation uh, this morning. We pray it would be uh, to the end that you would be glorified. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. Uh, Andy, I'm going to start with you. Uh, thank you to, to your old team and Nine Marks. I know you're part of that in bringing this conference here and and especially for this, uh, you know, this particular theme. We've been very, very excited about this. You make a comment in the introduction of your book um, just to, uh, you know, to help us think about what could be. And I want to read this comment, and I want to ask you a question about it. And you say, imagine a local church 
where the congregation's mission to the nations is clear and agreed upon. Elders guide the congregation towards strategic missions. Missions is held up as a concern for all Christians, not just the niche missions club. The tyranny of the new trends and demands for immediate, visible results holds no sway. Members see missions as the work of the church together rather than the personal, private activity of the individual. In this church, members see missions as a core ministry of the church, not an occasional short-term project. Relationships with missionaries are deep, serious, and lasting. Joyful giving to missions is a basic part of the church's budget, not merely the fruit of occasional and desperate appeals. And members actually value missions enough that some want to uproot their lives and be sent out long term by the church. So I'm a new pastor uh, coming into a church and it's not like this. I'm just imagining it like you say, you know, in here. What, what do I do? What would you say, you know, to me as a new pastor? I want to lead my people to this. Yeah. Well, I think the first thing, and uh, this can sound like the kind of the thing you ought to say as a Christian, and kind of like when people answer Jesus to every question, but I think it's really true. If you're a new pastor and you want your church to be really passionate about missions, make sure they're passionate about the gospel. Like preach through, preach through a gospel to make sure that the people that your church took into membership before you were there are actually Christians. Um, I've, I mentioned it in the, a little section in the book that I wrote, but I, I have dealt with churches where the pastor wants to get his people really excited about missions. And it becomes clear the people are not excited about the gospel. And if you get people excited about missions without being excited about the gospel, it's just a mess. Like, it's not going to be helpful to anybody. So the first thing I'd encourage a pastor to do is just maybe don't talk about missions. Just talk about the gospel, you know, the glory of Christ, how what Christ has done is you know, supremely valuable, and get, get your people to have a bigger and bigger gospel. And then it's only when people think, okay, the gospel is the most valuable message in the world. It's, you know, they're, they're stunned by God's kindness in sending his son. They can't believe that God would redeem somebody like them. And they start, when they start seeing the gospel big like that, then mission starts making sense. Like, okay, if the gospel is that big, well, then it makes sense for us to take money that we need, you know, to put a new air conditioning system in the Family Life Center and instead send it to, you know, workers that we're partnering with somewhere else. Or it makes sense for me to uproot my life. So, so that's really not just a sort of a pious throwaway line. I think the best way to get a church excited about missions is to get the church excited about the gospel. And then, then as a leader, I mean, they may not just automatically make the connection, then I think as a leader, you need to start drawing out the implications of the gospel. And one of those implications is the, the missionary implication of the gospel. And I think you just need to be really, really patient. So I think one of the dangers of, of any time you write a book or give a talk that gets pastors excited about something, even if it's something as central to the mission of the church as missions, is that they'll say, okay, you know, I want to do this really fast. And I think it just takes a, a lot of time to begin teaching the church about it, to begin modeling it. So I think Mark Dever in his talk was kind of giving his personal travel log. Um, 
which I think he said he felt bad about later. It's like, it's not to say like, oh, I'm like, you know, getting asked to go to all these places. But he just, I think he was wanting to show that, that it's important for the senior pastor to model that it's worth me using up my time to go encourage gospel work in other places. And I think if you begin to do that as a pastor, you know, I mean, don't do that like in the first six months of your pastorate. They'll wonder, you know, why you're not here preaching. But, but eventually begin to, to be going and using your own time to, to go encourage the work of missions. I think it was helpful. You know, each one of those sort of imagines is actually because of something that we changed over a 15-year period in our church. But, you know, having the, the elders give leadership to missions rather than just a missions committee, which it's great to have a missions committee. I mean, that's totally fine. But you don't want it to become, you know, rival power centers in your church. There's some people that are interested in missions. There's some people that are interested in, you know, music in the church. There's some people interested in the children's ministry. You want it to be in the central ministry of your church. And that happens when the leaders are leading. I want Chuck and Scott to jump in on that and see if you've got some things to add to it. But I, I you know, it, what you said about the gospel is really a motivational thing. It's a value thing. I mean, there's got to be something that drives us, you know, in that. So thank you for saying that. Chuck, I know this issue of the pastor's involvement in, in leading that, you know, Andy's kind of taken us into that area there, but this has been a, you know, a, a burden of yours. You work with a lot of pastors. You've served as a pastor. How important is that, you know, what, what he's talking about for a pastor to lead the way, to be involved? And I'd also love for you guys, you know, any of you to just tell us some ways you've seen pastors actually lead out in this area. Yeah, thanks, Dr. Shaddix. I would say I have never seen a church that is strongly mission-minded without a pastor leading the way. Uh, and I've looked at a lot of churches. I've just never found one. Uh, when, I was, uh, when I was a young pastor, uh, the second church I was pastoring, one of the ladies leading missions, uh, she was leading our WMU, our Women's Missionary Union, came to me and asked me if I would lead the mission study and I told her I would, but I had never heard of a mission study, which was, which was not a smart answer to, to the lady leading our women's missionary union. And she said to me, well, if you're going to be our pastor, you need to learn about missions. Um, and she was exactly right. Uh, and so that's, that's where my journey began, saying, if I'm going to lead these people to do what the Bible calls us to do, then I've got to have the passion for that. And you'll never get your church to do that unless you're there first. Where I might add something to what, what Andy said is, I, I agree, you've got you to focus on the gospel and, and get folks to love Christ and love the gospel itself. And out of that, you do missions. What I, what I would do, though, as a pastor is I, I'd look around really quickly to find who are those people who already have some of that uh, and, and tap into that immediately to say, all right, you're there. Let's talk about how we get our church to be, to be mission-minded. The pastor still has to take that lead for sure. Scott, anything you'd add? I know you work with a lot of pastors and and help uh, you know equip churches. What would you add? To yeah, that? the only thing that I, one thing that I would add to uh, what these guys said is, um, you know, obviously everything everything is going to rise to the level of the leadership that the pastor gives in the local church. He's the God ordained uh, man who's going to lead uh, in the church. He has the 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 privilege and the responsibility of the pulpit, which means the things that he preaches. 
And we all know that the thing that we preach is the thing that grabs our heart. When we read the Bible, uh, then the scriptures speak to us, but we also know that it speaks to us out of the thing that so grips our heart. You know, we're shaped by, and so the theme of missions, the idea that uh, God's love for the nation, uh, the passion that God has for the lost, the passion that God has for his glory, his fame to be made known among the lost, as that rolls out from the overflow of the pastor's heart, it's going to show up in the pulpit. It's going to show up in his leadership with his elder board, with his deacons. It's going to show up in, in all that happens. So this, I think, is exactly right. And the only other thing I would add about assisting our church uh, to be captivated by uh, God's mission is a, a reminder of the seriousness of lostness in the world. Uh, you know, it's uh, as we're as we're surrounding ourselves mostly with believers, it's easy to forget the darkness that people live in because they're lost. Um, especially if you live in the Bible Belt or you live in a situation where you're among Christians regularly, we spend our time with those people who are, who are Christians and those people who we would consider lost but almost Christians. And then there's this whole group of people that we never interact with, we never see them, we never talk to them. Um, but as we model this in our personal evangelism as pastors, as we model this, as we're showing people, hey, I'm sharing the gospel with the, the person who doesn't look like me, whether it's the African-American, if I'm an Anglo, whether it's the, the, uh, the, the Asian, if I'm traveling to share the gospel, sharing stories of sharing the gospel on an airplane, so people begin to see, hey, this gospel that so consumes our church and so consumes our life is not something that the vast majority of the people experience. And because of that, they are walking in darkness. And some of us have been Christians so long, we forget the terror and the hopelessness of being in darkness, being without Christ. And it's as our church begins to be more evangelistic and see and rub shoulders with those who are lost in our community and then say, hey, and you know there are people around the world that have no access whatsoever to the gospel. They couldn't get to this if they wanted to get to it. So, when, so we have to just remind, and so this I think is where the pastor, just the passion from the pulpit spills out, the example from the pulpit spills out, and the church can be, can be brought into this, into this journey. Thank you for communicating that heartbeat. I take a moment of personal privilege. Uh, I get asked from time to time, you know, how'd you end up at Southeastern Seminary? And one of the things that drew me was a heartbeat like that. It's actually not limited to just our missions guys, but uh, just to see counseling guys on our faculty and preaching guys, you know, that, that, that have a heart, that, that kind of heart. So thank you for, for sharing that. Scott, let me stay with you just for a second. One of your jobs, responsibilities, I guess privileges, is you get to, you get to help mobilize our students here for short-term mission trips, and that is such a cool thing. They get that experience and just all over the world. And I know one of your desires in that is to plant that seed in them so that as they go out and serve churches, they will understand the value of short-term trips um, in, the, in the churches they lead. Talk to us about the role of short-term trips not so much at a seminary, but in the local church. Yeah, yeah thanks, Jim. That, that, that's a good question. Over the years, and I've been involved in, in international missions for over two decades, I've had a love-hate relationship with short-term mission trips. I mean, really. I mean, sometimes I'm thinking this is, this is spinning our wheels, and sometimes I think this is the greatest thing that, ever, that we could ever do. Um, and one of the reasons is I think if we take the wrong direction for short-term missions, it becomes the little check mark that we put beside, hey, mine is a missions church, boom, because we went on a short-term mission trip. 
rather than, as I think Andy, I think you read in, in Andy's book, that the short-term trip is, is part of the overall missions strategy, mission activity of the church. So one of the things we try to do through Southeastern is birth within our students this idea that this missions experience, whether it's to Southeast Asia or Vermont or Nevada or Nigeria, that this experience is, is part of God's plan both to you, through you as you are on journey, sharing the gospel, learning, encountering the world, joining God in his mission, and it's God's work in you as you're, uh, you know, all of us know that when God puts us in an uncomfortable situation, we rely on him, and our relationship with God is transformed. So as, we're, as we put our students or we put our church members in the situation where they have to share their faith with someone who is so unlike them or they're required to sit at a table with someone who's culturally different and they have to eat food that they're not comfortable eating or, or uh, learn the different cultures of people around them, what this does is this allows our church members to experience, as they interact with national Christians who are different, the greatness of our God. You know, Ephesians 3 talks about the multifaceted wisdom of God that, that is declared to the rulers of the world. And it, has that, it happens because we recognize, the world recognizes the, the multicultural church. And so that's one thing that happens. The other is as our, as our members are, are put in a position where they're relying on God, they're pushed outside of their spiritual comfort zone to share their faith, to interact with people. We just have to pray. There's nothing like somebody putting food on the table in front of you that you don't want to eat but you know Jesus said, eat whatever they put in front of you that causes you to pray. <laughs> you know? And I tell all of our students, there's the missionary prayer. Lord, I'll put it down if you'll keep it down. <laughs> and if you don't keep it down, don't let it come up until I get in private. And, but this, it's this thing that God just uses that experience to push us into an area of discomfort so we rely on him. So, it's, so the short-term mission trip is what God does through us and it's what God does in us. And both of those wed us to God's mission, the heart of God for the nations, for his fame to be made known among those who never heard. And, and when handled well, and we mentioned this yesterday in the panel discussion, by handling well a short-term trip, what I mean is you don't just decide as the pastor, this is what we're going to go do. There are typically people already on the ground, missionaries on the ground, a church on the ground, people you're partnering with, uh, where you're going to assist them. Uh, you're going to walk beside them, to, to support them, to encourage them. So, so have those conversations. Make sure that you're figuring out, not only is it your strategy as a church, but you're assisting a strategy that's already on the ground. Let me add one more thing to this. There's some research done that if we position the short-term mission trip in our church as kind of the end-all thing to check off on someone's box, it actually does damage to that person's spiritual growth. Because they, they think, I've checked this off, I've gone overseas, I've come back, I've done the missions thing. But if it becomes an integrated part of the discipleship strategy of the church and the missionary strategy of the church, it enhances a person's walk with Jesus. So it really is important that we think through how we, how we marry short-term missions with the missionary vision, the discipleship vision of our church. Andy, you uh, have written some in your book about short-term trips. Fill in any gaps that you hear. What would you I, add to I that? I think I agree with these brothers. I think, uh, I think the, the one point I'd make is it's really important for leaders in a church to make sure that you're partnering in short-term trips with people that you really trust. Right. 
So you may be sending like a short trip, like you're sending a pastor or a leader from your church to get to know someone overseas before you bring a group out because, you know, I think you need to be sort of ruthless on the front end of making sure we really trust and agree with these folks that we're going to be partnering with. And once you have that kind of trust, I think you need to do what these guys have said is just like do what the people there tell you to do. Like trust them, take their advice, be quiet when they say to be quiet, you know, come when they say come, don't come if they say don't come. Uh, I think if you're partnering with people you really trust, then you can genuinely serve them. So. I, wanna fin- I want us to finish with, let me throw out one other issue. Um, you know, our center wants to help equip pastors, not just in pastoral leadership in general, but also in the preaching event that is part of pastoral leadership. And so I'd like for you guys, and Andy, I'm going to let you respond to this first because you made a statement yesterday that I know wasn't limited to the preaching event, but I certainly applies. The scriptures are supposed to be our primary evangelistic strategy. I'd like for you to, to comment, if you will, on just the importance of preaching uh, in mission mobilization, you know, the pastor's role in that, how it fits. And then uh, Chuck and Scott, I'd love for you guys to, to follow up as well. Well, I think one thing is just that, that as a pastor, you should add however you sort of think about application in your sermons that, you know, I know when I preach, I got this habit from Mark Dever. You know, I make a little chart and I have, you know, Implications for Christians, implications for non-Christians, implications for the church, implications for society. I think you know, if you just add like implications for the nations and missions so that you're self-consciously, you're not just you know, crowbarring this wrongly into your sermons, but you, but you have a category where regularly when you're preaching, you're saying, okay, well, what, what would this passage tell us about missions, the gospel implications, our people's responsibility to go and to send. And I think it sounds very simple, but if that's just a regular part of your preaching, I, you know, the, the idea about, you know, water wearing away stone, just a constant drip in a good way, not the annoying way, of just bringing missions up in your sermons regularly and appropriately, I think will have a massive impact on how your people think about uh, global, you know, missions. You know, the, the, well, the, he's exactly right. I think that you you preach the text, preach what's in the text. Don't shoehorn it in or crowbar it into the text. Let's pretend this talks about missions when it doesn't. And then I think the the source of preaching also becomes the tool of discipleship for our people, so that when they are engaged in mission, it's the scripture that comes out. They're not grabbing some. A fancy idea or something. No, this comes from the Word. Because it's, you know, the Word of God is living and active. It is sharper than any two-way sword. It will divide between the thought and the intention of the heart. So as our people are baptized into the Word through our preaching, through the leadership we have in church, that becomes what they talk about when they're on mission. And then we have the power of God unleashed uh, in the missionary task. Yep, Chuck, put a bow on this for us. Comment on that. Okay. <laughs> I hadn't heard it that way, so let me, let me put a bow on this here. A, a couple of things. I think it's... You need me to explain uh, that should, to no, you. No, I'm good. I'm good, Dr. Shaddix. Thank you. I suspect uh, his wife does that. He's not him. from Alabama. He doesn't know what that means. Yeah, I think what we've got to do is just... We really do just have to preach the word. The, the heart of God is so evident 
in the scriptures from Genesis to Revelation that if we miss that, we miss that by our error. Um, and so if you preach a lot through the scriptures and you never get to some kind of missiological focus, you're probably ignoring what's there. Uh, and so, so note that. The, the other thing I would say is, particularly all of you who go overseas and you're going on short-term trips, you're going to be teaching, you're going to be preaching, um, preach the word, teach the word. I promise you there are people who are longing to hear the word. Be aware, though, that how you do it in your church may not be exactly the way you do it on, on the field. You, you may have to talk to missionaries and find out, all right, how do I best handle this? Think about illustrations. Uh, illustrations that work in the United States don't work elsewhere. Uh, your jokes that you think are so funny here aren't even close to funny over there. Um, and and so, so think about those things. Learn how to do it well. Uh, you're communicating the gospel, so do it well.